Well, we've got Job 11 before us today, um, the words of Zophar, and of course God says at the end of the book that the friends did not speak that which was right concerning him as his servant Job did. And as you read each of the, the friends and you reread what they say, each of them is, is slightly different. They're each coming from a slightly different angle on the whole thing. But I think we've got this unique record in, in Job of the friends' reasoning, because actually the logical mistakes they make, the spiritual mistakes they make, are so relevant to us in these modern times, because the same errors of reasoning are going on there. And as we read through the book, we, we get this impression, and it's an impression that I would say is intended by the book, of, oh, come on, you know, stop all these words, you're getting nowhere. Words are not the answer. And, of course, when God finally uh, appears at the end of the book, then, you know, that just puts that into, into perspective, that, indeed, all these words, words, words are all uh, a big mistake. But I, I notice that so often the friends begin what they're saying by saying, well, look, you've said what you've said, and I, I can't help but answer. And you see that here in chapter 11, uh, verse, verse 2. The multitude of your words must be answered, and a man who is full of so much talk can't be justified. Your lies must make men hold their peace. But no, I'm not going to hold my peace so far as saying I'm going to, I'm going to answer you. I must take the matter up with you, brother. And... Job actually begins his uh, speeches saying the same, that, well, you know, I've got to let all this out. And he says at another time, you know, I've got to say these words because it, it's within me um, like, like gas, and I've just got to let it out. And it's interesting that the speeches very often begin with this, like, oh, no, look, I've just got to say this. I've got to make a response. And there you are, right up in relevance to our day, right today, that so often huge mistakes are made that I've just got to answer this and the, the point of the book of Job I think is that we were all we're led by the whole narrative and the, the way it goes to think look words aren't what's needed and yes great at last God has spoken uh, at the end of the book uh, and this is the point I think that so much so called dialogue is not dialogue at all it's simply just uh, confirming your own position uh, and uh, there, there is no actual dialogue, there is no give and take, there is simply a statement of position that is made stronger and stronger. So I think that, that's one lesson that, that we take straight away from, from all this. And then he says, verse 3, should your lies make men hold their peace? Well, then he says, no, you know, I've got to answer you, brother. Well, the fact that Job had a different take to what Zophar thought does not mean that Job was a liar. And there you have one of these errors in logic, errors in reasoning, errors in relationship, which we have sadly so often today. You said so-and-so, that's a lie. This is not a lie if somebody disagrees with you. I mean, for example, I'm not a Trinitarian, and I don't believe that Jesus was God. And let's imagine, there I am in dialogue with a Trinitarian, and he says, no, no, Jesus is God. The response would not be appropriate if I were to say to him, you are a liar. You're a liar. Jesus is not God. You told a lie. That's not a category, I would say. That is appropriate to that conversation. 
in my judgment of the Bible texts, that guy misunderstands something. But I'm sure he genuinely misunderstands it. And he's not actually a liar. It's not that the guy is saying, uh, you know, consciously stealing himself to say something that he consciously knows is not true. He's just coming out with what he believes. And that, that's something that needs to be remembered. And so many relationships go wrong on all sorts of levels because of this desire to sort of to, to raise the stakes all the time. And you've got another example in verse 4. You have said, and he quotes, and I, as I understand the structure of the Hebrew, he is saying, this is what you said. And then he, qu- he quotes Job. My doctrine is pure, and I'm clean in your eyes, in God's eyes. Well, that's not what Job said. That is Zophar's interpretation of what Job said. And yet he puts it in inverted commas, as it were. You said this. Well, no, he didn't say that. And this is a a very common mistake. I have a friend in Australia who, like me, was... uh, attacked and slandered by uh, certain uh, fellow believers and uh, a document was produced and it was his name uh, I didn't say his name but his name uh, XY in his own words this document was circulated and they were not his own words at all it was somebody's interpretation of what that brother had said and written now here we see a, a really common mistake that is made so often, and it's made so often in theological terms uh, as well, in, in discussion b- between people of different uh, interpretational uh, positions on the Bible. You believe A, and A implies B, therefore you believe B. No, A implies B to you. Classic example. Let's go back to this thing about Jesus is God. A guy says to me, let's say, I believe Jesus is God. And I say, therefore, you believe that Mary is the mother of God. No, 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 I don't. You see, what I meant was, when I said that Jesus was God, whatever. This happens in all sorts of ways. I believe, and you can laugh at me, but I'm quite used to that. I believe that God is a personal being in some sort of human form and that we are made in his literal physical image and that he exists and you know admittedly the uh, range of words uh, I'm almost certainly going to say a a word that somebody would find uh, inappropriate but anyway let's have a go Um, that I believe that God exists in some kind of corporeal physical actual concrete form in the heaven of heavens at a specific location. Now, my wife doesn't agree with me, but that's okay. Um, I I first got the idea when I was an early teenager reading a book by Robert Roberts called Is There a God? And in the first chapter, I think it is, or very early in the book, he says, look, God exists as a, whatever terms he uses, physical, corporeal, literal, physical being, and if you don't believe that, you don't believe in God. If I were to say to my wife, darling, you're an atheist, because you don't think that God exists in a physical form, therefore you're an atheist. No. What she'd say, or what anyone would say, probably, if they're accused of that, is no, no, no. What I meant when I said I don't think God exists in a physical form is whatever. 
Now, this sort of uh, error of reasoning is very, very common. And very often, the, the point of difference, the apparent point of difference, comes back to words and meanings. It comes back to semantics. Ah, oh, no, what I meant was this. But the guy sitting the other side of the table, as it were, says, Ah, but if you believe that, therefore that implies so-and-so, let's call it B, therefore you believe B, and therefore you are such-and-such person, etc. That's not the case. That is really not the case. And I'm sure we have all had discussions, let's say, with, with Trinitarians, where we have said, no, you know, uh, Jesus is not God. And the guy said, no, no, Jesus is God. And uh, we then say, but uh, so then you believe that there's two gods, or whatever it is, whatever it implies to us, logically. And the guy will say, no, no, no. What I meant was so and so and so forth. Now, there are, of course, real and actual differences of opinion uh, between people. There are different interpretations, uh, etc., uh, not only of the Bible, but of life and all sorts of things. But you've got to be careful that those differences are not as great and huge as you think they are, because you can fall into Zophar's mistake. You said this, that, and the other, when the guy didn't say that at all, and he's going to say, yeah, but what I meant by what I said was this, and that's not quite how you're reading me. That doesn't, you know, it doesn't logically follow what you're saying. It follows logically in my mind, but obviously not in his. And the litmus test of that is to say, well, does the guy believe, let's go back to Jesus is God, uh, does the guy believe there's two gods or not? Does he believe Mary is the mother of God or not? And if the guy says, no, I don't believe that, well, then he doesn't believe it. So therefore, even though in my mind it might logically imply that if you say Jesus is God, therefore Mary is the mother of God, yeah, that, that, that's the logical implication in my head. Uh, but it's not necessarily so in the other guy's head. And you can't therefore say, so you believe Mary is the mother of God. And there's this fully paid up Protestant saying, no, I do not believe that. What I meant by saying that Jesus is God was whatever he thinks it means. You've got to be very careful. And this is particularly the case in just basic human relationships that we don't say, ah, but you think this, or you believe that, because you said so-and-so. You know, relationships are breaking up, sadly, at an incredible rate. The world in which we live is pretty hard to keep relationships of any kind going straight. And we, we need urgently to understand this, and to learn the lessons from these kind of logical mistakes that are being made back here. And all you can say, I suppose, is that care in thought and thinking and reasoning is lacking. See another slight example of that here in chapter 11, um, verse 5. Oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you, and that he would show you the secrets of wisdom. Well, actually, Zophar's request was heard, because at the end of the book, God does speak, and he does open the secrets of wisdom in talking about Leviathan and, and etc. It reminds me of, of when Job says later on in chapter 19, um, verse 23, he says, Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were printed in a book. Well, here we are reading the book of Job. You've got to be careful what you wish for, because you, you are, in a strange way you get it. 
and therefore it is crucial where our heart really is and what our dreams really are. If your dream really is to be super wealthy, you probably will get there. If your dream is to have this great career, you probably will get it. If you really, really, really want it, people would say, oh yeah, I'd love to be rich, but I'm not. I mean, you can't say it to people who say that, but you know, basically my, my feeling would be, yeah, well you don't want it that strongly, or else you'd have it, or you'd certainly be on the way there. And you know, it comes down to this very basic question that I remember Stuart Walker posing to us in a, in a fraternal uh, address many years ago now, um, at Brighton it was, in the south coast of England. What do I want more than anything else in the world? And this is the bottom line question, and the answer to that is really Jesus, his kingdom, to be there with him, and to serve him. Those sort of answers. And if that really is our dominant desire, then somehow the practical stuff of decision making in life kind of works out that way. So then Zophar goes on, and he comes out with some stuff which, in my opinion, is very simplistic, but it is the kind of stuff that I was raised on, and which I know a lot of people have encountered. He, he concludes Job must have sinned, because like, if you're suffering, therefore you sin. Okay, so he says, look, um, verse 13, If you prepare your heart and stretch out your hands toward him, if iniquity be in your hand, put it far away, let not wickedness dwell in your tents, and I think he's alluding there to how Job continued in fellowship with his apparently wicked sons, and their tents were therefore destroyed, and he's saying, look, if you sinned, well, just uh, put it away from you, and don't have fellowship with uh, sinful people, even if they're in your own family, and then, verse 15, you shall lift up your face without spot. Yes, you shall be steadfast and shall not fear. You shall forget your misery. Remember it as waters that pass away. Uh, you shall, 17, you shall shine forth, you shall be as the morning. This is the stuff of Sunday school Christianity. If you've messed up, made a bit of a mistake, well, just, just say you're sorry, don't do it anymore, and, uh, and don't have fellowship with uh, bad people, or people who are possibly bad, and then everything will be fine, you won't have problems, everything will go well in your life, and it's just going to be fine, and you can lift up, verse 15, your face to God without spot, and everything's just fine. This is so simplistic, so simplistic, and, and it's actually this that I think has caused a lot of people to turn away, particularly people brought up on this, what I would call Sunday School Christianity, this simplistic view of sin and repentance and that everything's going to go well. Because they go into their lives, maybe they get baptized as young people, and then they go on in their lives, and life is not so simple. The reality of spiritual life is complex, and it's not so simple as this. And the whole point of the book of Job is to highlight that. That, look, Job had not done wickedness, and he was not wrong to fellowship with his sons. He prayed for them, you remember, every day after they had their parties. Um, and God says at the end, Job said what was right about me, and Job is in the end justified. So this whole simplistic uh, position that Zophar's coming out with speaks directly, I think, to a lot of, of what, it, what passes for Christianity and Bible teaching and Bible education and raising of kids, uh, Christian kids uh, today. But look, if you make a whoopsie, well, yeah, just put it away from you. Don't uh, fellowship with wicked people, and then you should lift up your face without spot. Now, that verse 15, then you shall lift up your face without spot, 
you shall be steadfast, shall not fear. You know what? Jesus had read that, because he knew the scriptures. And he, I think, refers to this verse when he tells the parable in Luke 18 about the publican and the Pharisee. You remember, the Pharisee goes to the temple and he lifts up his face in his own mind without spot and thanks God that he is not as other men, including this publican. And the publican cannot do that and he beats upon his breast a bit like Job and says, I can't do this. I can't lift up my face to you. And he goes down to his house justified, counted as righteous. So reality is not so simple. We are counted righteous because we are in Christ, not because we have simplistically put away all our little whoopsies uh, and uh, booted out the sinners or don't have anything to do with them. No, it's because we are counted righteous because we are in Christ that therefore in the final day we shall lift up our face without spot, um, forget our misery, all tears wiped away from our eyes, um, and verse 17 shine forth as the morning all this language is kingdom language and yet Zophar says oh you can have that right now just uh, yeah just just if you mess up well yeah just don't don't do it again and say your prayers and don't fellowship with the bad guys and you can have all this right now whereas the tenor of Bible teaching generally is you know all this language shining forth as the uh, uh, as, as the morning having tears wiped away from our eyes, forgetting your misery, lifting up your face to God without spot. This is not all for now. This is for the kingdom. And it will only be on the basis that we have been counted right. Not on the basis of how much you have repented and with a steel will put away your sin from you. Because, you know, we die with certain sin. Still, not sorted out. Either we haven't realized it sins of ignorance are still sin or we are focused like Zophar did on what you commit and not realize that sin is actually also sin of omission and also we have well as I say we have simply not done and been as we should have done even if we've avoided you know public messing up which is all that Zophar seemed to be worried about so then the reality is not only far more complex than that, it's actually far more wonderful and far greater than, than this. That if we are as the publican, we shall go down from our house, uh, go down from the temple justified before God with this great hope of shining forth as the, as the sun and even now being able to lift up our face without spot in a sense to God because it has been dealt with. Not because I stopped sinning. You know, as Paul makes clear in Romans, it's not just a case of having the steel will to stop sinning. Because one sin, just one sin, brings death. And if you've already sinned, well, that's it. You should be condemned and die forever. And that's the end of it. Adam and Eve, this is how the Bible starts with this basic thing. So it's not enough to say, oh yeah, well I won't do it anymore. If iniquity is in your hand, verse 14, we'll just put it far away. Simple as. No. <laughs> if you've sinned, that's it. You're done for. It's not good enough to just say, oh yeah, well I won't do it again. Well, you did it. It's like if you 
oh, a mass murderer, and then you say, oh, yeah, well, I won't do it, do it again. I won't kill anybody else. Well, yeah, but there's consequences. They just say, yeah, well, I won't do it again. Wait a minute. You've done it. <laughs> and that's the point. That you're not going to repeat it is actually neither here nor there in the final issue. And this is our problem, I think. If we are raised with this simplistic idea that, oh, yeah, better sin, yeah, well, yeah, put it away and don't, uh, don't have anything to do with sinners, and you'll be good. And everything's just, life's going to be great. Well, life isn't great. Not spiritually, not materially, if you like, not uh, physically in this world. And Zophar is coming out with a simplistic view. And this is where it becomes so relevant. This ancient, perhaps the most ancient book of the Bible, uh, becomes so bitingly relevant to us today. And so here we face up to the death of Jesus, that we to a man and to a woman stand before the cross of Christ. And he died for us, that we should be justified by his grace through our faith in him. And I think that if we get that right, and if we feel that, if we get it right to the point of feeling it uh, as a, a, a daily feeling, the errors of reasoning and that, that Zophar got into that cause so many problems in relationships, practically, words and meanings problem, this uh, calling people liars or, or, or exaggerating the, the import of their positions, this somehow, in a natural way, is dealt with. If you realize that you have been justified by grace through your faith in him.